Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at Charles C. Morgan. Charles C. Morgan lived in Tucson, Arizona. He was an escrow agent, meaning that he was someone who held on to assets before they were transferred from one person to the other one. On March 22nd, 1977, he left his house as normal and didn't return home. Three days later, he returned home, unable to speak. When his wife Ruth questioned it, he managed to explain that his throat had been painted with some kind of hallucinogenic drug that would either kill him or send him mad. He had returned at 2am and was banging on the door when she had discovered him. He was missing a shoe and had plastic cuffs on his ankles and his wrists had been zip-tied together. When she offered to call the police or a doctor, Charles had refused suggesting that it would be a death sentence for the whole family. Over the next week, Charles recovered with help from Ruth. During this time, she said that whoever had taken him had stolen his treasury identification, which was news to Ruth. She didn't know that he had worked for the US Treasury, and he then told her he had worked for them for a few years. In the 1970s, Arizona was a hotbed for narcotics and money laundering. It was a state that allowed people to buy land through blind trust accounts, which meant that they could launder money that would never be traced. Charles had done escrow work for at least one mafia family, possibly helping to purchase gold bullion and platinum for them as an easier way to launder the money. It meant that Charles was at the edges of the organized crime groups that operated in Arizona, and Ruth had almost no idea about it. Charles took no chances after the disappearance. He took to wearing a bulletproof vest and made sure that he was the only person to drive his daughters to school and back. However, that didn't protect him because two months after the initial disappearance, Charles went missing again. Nine days after the disappearance, Ruth received a phone call. A woman said, Ruthie? And when she said yes, the response was, Chuck is all right. Ecclesiastics 12, 1 through 8. Then the woman hung up. Ecclesiastics 12, 1 through 8 in the King King James Bible reads, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasures in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble and the strong men shall bow themselves and the grinders cease because they are few and those that look out the windows will be darkened and the doors shall be shut in the streets 
when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Most articles that talk about the passage mention the silver cord and the broken bowl. The American Standard Version of the Bible changes the passage to read, Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. However, the most commonly read version of the Bible is the King James, so it's possible that Ruth may have read the passage instead. Two days after the phone call, Charles was found in the desert. He was still wearing his bulletproof vest, but had been shot in the back of his head by his own gun, a magnum. A piece of paper with directions to the murder site was found next to him, written in Charles's handwriting, along with a pair of sunglasses that didn't belong to him. When they looked over the body, they found that Charles had clipped a $2 bill into his underwear. The bill had seven Spanish names beginning with the letters A through G written on it. Above the names, Ecclesiastes 12 was written, with arrows drawn to 1 and 8 in the serial number. On the reverse of the bill, the names of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were numbered with a roughly drawn map. The map indicated an area between Tucson and Mexico, specifically Robles, Junction and Salacity. These three towns were well known for smuggling. The Sheriff's Department ruled it a suicide, but that was questioned because Morgan still had his bulletproof vest on and was carrying a knife and a holster on his belt. Not typically things assigned with somebody planning their own death. Ruth even said that she couldn't believe that Charles would commit suicide, and if he had, there would have been a letter left for her and the girls. The investigation was further complicated by the things that were discovered in Charles's car, which had been found parked near the crime scene. Investigators found ammunition, weapons, a CB radio, and one of Charles's teeth wrapped in a handkerchief. Two days after the discovery of the body, a woman phoned the sheriff's office and referred to herself as Green Eyes. She confessed that she was the woman who had called Ruth before. She said that she had met him at a motel before his death, where he had shown her a suitcase full of money. According to her, there was a contract out for Charles's life, but he had arranged a deal with the hitman, sparing him. Three weeks after the death of Charles, 
Ruth was visited by two men claiming to be from the FBI. They showed her their badges in a hurry and barged into the house, ransacking everything. They were searching for something, but it seems like they left without finding it. Ruth was left shaken, wondering if the men were actually FBI agents or not. Investigative reporter Don Devereaux, who had been covering the murder, contacted the FBI to request that they release the information from the Morgan case under the Freedom of Information Act. The FBI claimed to not know who Charles Morgan was. Elsewhere, Ronald Newman, Charles Morgan's attorney, confirmed that Charles had testified in a secret investigation concerning Tucson's Arizona International Bank and a former director, David Kelly. The search was conducted by the state and the information was confirmed by Attorney General Bruce Babbitt, who said that Charles had been called to testify about dealings that he knew of but wasn't involved in. Despite all the strange happenings, the case was closed on August 10th, 1977, with the death being ruled a suicide. Ruth refused to believe that and believed it to be murder, but also knew that it was unlikely that they would find out who had done it. At the time that the case was closed, there were no suspects at all. The strange case of Charles C. Morgan is unsolved, and probably for good reason. There don't seem to be many theories at all about this one, and none that seem to point to anything concrete. The only theory today is that the $2 bill was a code. It was missing the cipher though, so the code couldn't be unlocked. It's unknown whether the code was meant for the government or a crime boss. One paints Charles Morgan as a good guy, and the other as a bad guy. If he was working with the government, then Charles was running from someone who wanted the secrets. Someone who would go as far as hiring a hitman to murder him. He had been in an investigation against a bank, the owner of which would likely be highly influential. But he had also worked for families in organised crime who he may have been spying on for the authorities, but was caught in the act and subsequently silenced. If he was working for a crime boss and got caught by the government, it's unlikely he would have been killed, unless he was trying to evade capture, or had been the victim of some kind of special operative who would kill him first and ask questions later. I'm unsure how the federal government deals with things like that, so I don't know if I'm on the right track here. This one doesn't have anything to hold on to in terms of what actually happened and who did it, which is odd. Something happened and someone was to blame for it, but who? I doubt we'll ever really know. The story and theory from this episode came from an Unsolved Mysteries article called Chuck Morgan, 
a True Crime Zone article called Charles Chuck Morgan and an ATI article called Mysterious Murder Cases, Charles Morgan and Green Eyes. A Medium article called Man's Body Found in Desert After Vanishing Twice and a Morbidology article called The Bizarre Death of Charles Morgan. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open up a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. Next week is the final episode in the season. In the episode, I'll be taking a deep dive into a conspiracy that I've touched upon already this season. So get ready for something different. It releases on Wednesday, September 28th. So I'll see you then.